this time, I want to introduce Daniel Young. He's a Chi Alpha missionary to the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Please welcome him as he comes. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. You guys okay? God bless you. My name is Daniel Young. I, I, I'm so honored to be here. It's a privilege to be here this morning. I believe um, uh, Brother Audorf preached last week, is that correct? Wonderful friend of mine, he's our missions director. Uh, my wife, uh, Jessica, and I are in the Rio Grande Valley where we do Chi Alpha ministry to minister to college students on the university where we're seeing a great move of God. We're seeing college students' lives turned around, and the Lord, what he has done in the valley has been remarkable because we've seen students becoming missionaries. They started off as atheists. They started off as angry or, or running from God or church kids that have fallen away from the faith and they're coming to know Jesus. They're getting filled with the Spirit and they are being transformed to change the university and the marketplace in the world. So we just thank God for what he is doing on the university. My wife and I have been down there for about seven and a half-ish years down in, we live in Edinburgh, McAllen, Texas. It's a border town, so if you keep going south, you drive south, and you see Kingsville, you keep going. You keep going all the way down. And so we are probably 10 minutes from the border. So our Chi Alpha is like 90% Hispanic, and, and we just have a wonderful group, and they're incredible, and they're, are, they're on fire for Jesus. My wife wishes she could be here. She's a teacher, elementary school music teacher, and she's currently seeking... Um, her master's degree in, in counseling. So every weekend she's in the hospital doing clinical hours. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So she, she says hello. So, um, but God bless you. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for having me here this morning. Um, we, as you familiar with Chi Alpha, if you're not, we're missionaries in South Texas, and we are funded by faithful churches and supporters. And I have to tell you, Friendship Church Pastor Jason reached out to me on Facebook. I did not contact him. He contacted me, and he said, we love missions. So I hear this is a missions-loving church. Am I right? I can see it on your faces. And he reached out to me and said, we want to pick you up in monthly financial support so that we can see God moving on, on the uni college university. Friends, that doesn't happen, okay? I want to just let you know, missionaries, it's our responsibility to raise our financial support. But it's a wonderful thing. He reached out to me. That means you guys reached out to me. That is a big deal. So friends, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have been monthly supporters of ours for several months now, and God bless you. I, I'm so, so privileged to, to get to know you and to actually put a face to the beautiful heart for missions that you, that you guys have. So this summer is a little bit of a regrouping for my staff team and I and my wife and I especially. We are um, doing a little bit of support raising to raise our budgets um, to get back to that healthy amount. And so my wife and I personally, we're, we're continuing on in the support raising journey. So if the Lord speaks to any of you this morning and, you, and the Lord pricks your heart and you're interested in picking up a, a missionary um, in your personal life, please 
come up to me afterwards. I'd love to speak with you um, so, so that we can keep continuing to see God's work on, on the mission field. Amen? This morning, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and we're going to be talking about two individuals that are, could not be any polar opposites in character and in personality and how God is using them. We're going to be talking about David and Saul this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And basically, many of you know the story. Saul, King Saul, is a guy that started off as the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. And he started off great, but you know how you kind of get too many promotions in life. You win too many battles, and, and this is the case with King Saul. He wins a whole lot of battles, and it basically starts to go to his head, right? You know when you, like, win a little bit too much? Maybe everyone's like, that is definitely not me, Daniel. But when this starts to happen, where he has success after success after success, he gets proud. And King Saul becomes a man who basically his old humility is gone, and he is a tyrannical, mean jerk of a king. That's King Saul. And so the Lord has, is raising up a new king over Israel by the name of David, who, as the Bible describes, is a man after God's own heart. And David has all of these clashes with King Saul, and we have this awkward scenario because King Saul is the anointed king of God. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king over Israel, and then all of a sudden he drops the ball, as it were. He's doing an absolute terrible job, and the Lord already has his man next in line, King David. And so, but King Saul's not dead yet. He's still alive, and he's still calling the shots. And so David is in this peculiar situation where he knows he's next in line to be king, but King Saul is still yet on the throne. And we pick up in chapter 24 where there is a fascinating story of how David spares Saul's life. And we're going to start in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 24 verse 1, and this is what the scriptures say. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed one of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words. He did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went on his way. We pray this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us. We ask you... Lord, to, we just want to hear straight from your word, O oh God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for moving in worship. We thank you for your precious presence this morning. 
And we say all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. David, future King David, not king yet, he has all the reasons in the world to kill Saul. He has, he's being tortured by Saul. Saul is out to kill him. He's threatening his life pretty much every single day. And David has all the reasons in the world to remove him from power and to take on the mantle and the anointing that God has already said is there. But you have to understand, friends, that David lives by very specific rules. These are very important rules. And I'll even go on to say that nobody in the world today lives by these rules. Only a man of God, only a man after God's own heart would think of such things like this. But basically, if I were to summarize, the rules that David lives by is this. One, God is the one who puts people in charge. That's the rule that David lives by. The Lord has placed King Saul, even though Saul has become a tyrant and the Lord had good intentions, he believes this is the man that God has placed. What that basically means is this. David, in his heart, is a type of person that never assumes authority. He never assumes, God, I should be the one who's in charge. Do you see this? David has this idea. And I'm telling you, no one thinks like this. Almost nobody. But David has this thing in his heart. He says, the Lord is the one who puts people in charge. I don't promote myself. God is the one who either will promote me or demote me. It's up to him. It's up to the Lord. It's up to his authority and his lordship. And then the second thing that David lives by is this, base, this attitude that says this, it is not my job to defend my honor. Has your character ever been attacked before? Has your faith ever been attacked or challenged by people before? Have you ever been accused of things you did not do? Did you know that David was accused of all sorts of things? And you know what he did? A fascinating thing that no one in this world ever does. He says, Lord, you are the one who vindicates, not me. God, you are the one who vindicates me. Lord, you know the truth. You know I'm innocent. You know I have not committed atrocities that Saul is talking about. God, I refuse to defend myself. That is your job, Lord. Are you seeing? Are you following me this morning, guys? This is something very critical that we understand and listen to in the Spirit of God when He is speaking to His church. The Lord is in charge. He's got this, guys. Amen? The Lord is in charge. And David, in his personal life, and his what's going on around him, even though he's been anointed king, he is refusing to pretend that God is not king and then act as though he is king. He says, Lord, you are the Lord. You are the true king of Israel. And I dare not defend my honor. Lord, you are the one who will vindicate me. That is not my responsibility to do. Very difficult things. So why on earth would David allow himself to endure all this type of suffering? Saul is terrible to him. So let's, if you don't mind, let's go into a little bit of a character study this morning. Let's figure out who Saul is. Then we're going to figure out who David is. And then we're going to kind of tie things together, if you will. So who is Saul? Saul, this mad king. This man who is a tyrant, who's, who is... Uh, 
basically beating Israel into submission so that he can have his way. Now, Saul's background, many of you might not remember this, but Saul raised donkeys when he was young. And I don't know if, you, if any of you ever worked with donkeys before, but those are, those are some stubborn creatures, okay? Uh, I was in Mexico for a missions trip. I was there for, for some time uh, working with a missionary, and he had a lot of donkeys and a lot of horses. And, and my friend, Sean, um, he, for some strange reason, loved donkeys. I don't know what type of person you have to be to love donkeys. Nevertheless, he loved donkeys, and he wanted to ride on donkeys. He was like, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is cool. So he got in his mind that this was cool. So the thing about training donkeys is they are stubborn animals, and they don't listen to you. You can ask as nicely as you want. It's not going to get you anywhere. And so Sean is basically trying to get this donkey to move from one place to another. It's not difficult stuff here. He's just trying to get this donkey to move from this place to another, and he's struggling, he's pulling, he's, he's pushing, he's doing everything he possibly can, but this donkey was not having it one bit. In fact, this donkey in anger reached down with his neck, and he clamped his teeth around Sean's leg and would not let go. And Sean is screaming, oh, he's fighting, he's punching, he's kicking, he's doing every single thing he can do to get this donkey to let him go. And I am not, I'm not lying to you when I say there's a scar that is still there today, and I laugh at him every single time. So he had to beat this donkey into submission. And so you kind of get the idea of what King Saul had to deal with. When he was growing up, he raised donkeys as a young, as a young man. So he has this habit, in order to get these things to obey, he has to physically abuse them in order to get them to obey. That's the type of mindset he has. Are you seeing this? He's got this violence about him. He's got this authority to where if you want to get someone to do what you want them to do, you have to get physical, you have to get serious. And that is precisely the way King Saul led Israel. He beat them into submission. He forced them and tried to remove their choice. Another thing King Saul would frequently do is he would throw spears at David. At one time, King Saul said, I'm going to pin this boy to the wall. And he's chunking spears because Saul was a great warrior. And he's constantly throwing spears at David. Now, I don't know about you, but what if you went to work and your boss, don't raise your hand, but how many of you know, like, man, they could use a good spear this morning, right? <laughs> how many of you, I mean, some of you, I know, you probably put up with some jerks out there. And your boss, figuratively speaking, or whoever it is in your life that may have authority over you, maybe you're a young person here and your parents are this way. And maybe they're figuratively speaking, they're throwing spears at you, insults slander, accusations, and you are sitting here, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. But you've got a King Saul that's in authority over you. Are y'all with me? Very difficult thing. Some of you are dealing with that. That's the way King Saul is. If he wants, if there's something he wants and he can't get, he's going to threaten and threaten and threaten until he get it. Another thing that King Saul dealt with, he's constantly argued with God. I don't know about you, but 
I just have learned in my life that that's not a wise thing to do. Amen? King Saul argued with God, but, but, but what about this? But God, no. And Samuel said, wait to do the sacrifice. And he's, King Saul got impatient. He does the sacrifice too early. And then Samuel has to rebuke him. But, and then he argues and says, but I, I was doing this instead, that talking back to God. That's the type of king he is. He's also a type of king that, that believes I deserve this. He, he's a type of person that assumes authority. Whenever there's a new job available, he's the first one to stand up and says, that job belongs to me. He is very quick to promote himself. He is constantly wanting more power, more recognition. Friends, a way, an attribute that we have to run from is something that we call an independent spirit. King Saul suffers from a terrible independent spirit. What an independent spirit is, basically, is the failure to have a servant's heart. An independent spirit is, I can do this on my own. I do not need people in my life to tell me what to do. I do not need a pastor in my life to tell me what to do. I don't need any boss or anyone or anything to tell me what to do. I am the master of my own life. We call that an independent spirit, and that is a wicked, wicked heart. To assume that we're the boss to assume that we're the center of the universe when who does the universe actually revolve around? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the boss, amen? He's Lord. And so to pretend and live as though we're the center, we are in that same way we're trying to dethrone Jesus and pretend like we're the ones in charge. Another thing that you see King Saul and people that are like King Saul is that he's filled with anger. You know, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 that they would celebrate in the time of victory and war, and they would say, Saul has killed his thousands, and then they'd say, David, he killed his tens of thousands. And so when you're like a jerk, that's very, very offensive, you see. So Saul's sitting here, and he's getting angry, and it says, the Scripture says, then Saul became very angry, and then he tries to threaten David by throwing spears at him. Guys, the Bible says, Ephesians 4, to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You know, feeling anger itself, that's not sin. If you feel anger, that that does not mean that you've sinned. But friends, we have to understand that anger and contempt often hold hands, and contempt is when we say or think in our hearts, this person is beneath me, this person is undeserving, I'm better. You see this attitude? Anger and contempt often hold hands. And the Bible says, the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. The mouth can't say to the nose, I have no need of you. There is a unity here that the Holy Spirit is calling his church to. And King Saul is the worst possible example of all of good leadership. He's angry, he's vicious, and he beats situations and forces his circumstances into submission so that it can better his life. Now, that's King Saul. Now, what about David? You know the stories of David. He's a man after God's own heart. Quite oppositely, David didn't tend to donkeys. What did he tend to when he was growing up? He tended to sheep. Now, you have to treat sheep very differently if you're going to raise them, if you're going to get them to move. Now, they're just, they can be just as stubborn animals. 
but you can, they're sensitive creatures. You can't treat them the same. And so David, growing up, he, there's a tenderness to him. There's a gentleness to him. And as the Lord anoints him as king, he knows that there is this side of David that is patient and loving and kind. But David wasn't just this kind of only gentle guy. He had the, he had, he had the traits of being gentle. He also would fight off lions and, and bears and, 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 and defend his flock, as it were, as he was growing up. Now, when David was underneath the authority of Saul, what did you do? Guys, what do you do when someone throws a spear at you? <laughs> Very good. What, what do you do when someone throws an insult or an accusation at you? You're, you're just a person that does this, and they, th- they hurl the spear at you. Do you pick up that spear and hurl it right back? Do you pick up that insult and return it back to that person? I mean, hear me out here. That person is being a jerk, not defending the King Saul here. But that doesn't, you're not responsible for them. We're not responsible for tyrannical leaders. We're responsible for how we respond, you see. So what does David do? Does he pick up that spear and hurl it right back? No, he does not. He learned how to dodge. Now, guys, that's hard. That's hard to do sometimes. It was hard for David, I imagine, as well. But but you see, David understood this very important principle. The moment a person in your life or a person in authority hurls a spear at you, the second you kneel down and pick up that spear, figuratively speaking, that insult, that slander, that misunderstanding, and you hurl it back, guess what? You no longer become a David. You then become a Saul. And David understands that. The moment he kneels down and treats Saul the same way that's treated to him, he forfeits who God has called him to be. And he becomes the man that he despises and doesn't want to end up like. Friends, I see it on the college campus all the time. I meet young men and they tell me, Daniel, I hate my father. I despise him. And you know what? Their father, this particular case, they're jerk. They have a King Saul as a father. But I sit them down and we have these very very heart-to-heart conversations. I say, if you pick up, if you, if you be, continue to hate and despise your father, guess what? You're going to end up just like him. And it happens every time. Friends, if you have someone in your life that you despise because they've sinned against you, and you continue to hate and despise them, you will end up just like them every single time. Unless you learn how to dodge. You think you can learn how to dodge this morning? You think the Holy Spirit can help us learn how to dodge? What does David do? Learns how to dodge. He has these attitudes in his heart. First of all, he refuses to overthrow Saul. Refuses to do it. And in this passage, you have this incredible, like, you can see the skill of David in battle. How he can sneak up behind Saul in a cave, by the way, while Saul is revealing himself. I I mean, that's kind of awkward. But David sneaks up, cuts off a corner of his robe. He could have easily taken Saul out like that with no problem. The skill and the subtlety of David. He could have used his incredible skill, but he chose not to use his skill to kill Saul. 
He did not assume himself worthy of authority. David, my friends, David just wanted God. He just wanted to be close to God. A story. Years ago, I worked at a Christian camp where there's counselors and, you know, churches would send youth and children to have a week-long for summer church camp. And so I worked as a staff person. Little did I know that this camp would work their staff people like animals and donkeys. And we, we, the, the amount of work was un, the hardest job I have ever had in my entire life. I've had some rough summer jobs. Anyone have rough summer jobs? My goodness. I worked in oil fields and stuff and driving forklifts everywhere. I did lawns. I did all sorts, working out in the sun. And in Texas, working out in the sun, come on, people, that's it's no easy task. I've worked some hard jobs before, but there was no job like working for this Christian camp. And so I sign up because God has a calling on my life, you see. And when I was young, he, the Lord spoke to me when I was a young boy, and he said, Daniel, I'm going to make you my spokesman. And I'm going, okay, awesome. I'm going to be a spokesman of God. I'm excited about God's calling in my life. And so I join this to work at this summer Christian camp. I get there, and I'm excited to teach young men and teach young boys and to lead them to Christ and to teach them the scriptures. I am so excited. And when I get there, you know what happens. They said, Daniel, you're going to work in the kitchen. And I said, okay, I can, I can make it through the kitchen in and, and one week. And then after that one week, I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be a counselor again. So, you know, I'm a patient guy. So I'm just going to wait it out. And then as I get in this kitchen, the, the job was way more than I thought it was. I did not get a job description when I started this thing out, okay? 300 dishes three times a day. 300 bowls, 300 cups, they did, they did not believe in disposable plates. I don't know if they were advanced in the times yet or something, but they wanted like plastic porcelain stuff. So I was the only dishwasher, and there was about 300, 320 students, and they had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and guess what? I was the only dishwasher in the whole camp. My back felt like I was 120 years old. <laughs> And I was, my hands, when you go to hot, wet to dry, wet to dry, they started cracking and cutting. I was in absolute pain. And also, I'm getting angry. Because you know why? Because God, you called me to do something great. You called me to be your spokesman, to teach young boys. I did not sign up to join the kitchen. I signed up to be a counselor, you see. So a week goes by. I'm going, the week's almost over. I can make it. And then... And then we go to get our jobs for the next week after that, and, I, and I'm, I'm lining up in line to hear my job for the next week, and guess what they said? Young, you're back in the kitchen. I said, Lord Jesus, why is this happening to me? And guys, I wish that this went differently at this time, but I remember being very angry. I grew very frustrated in my heart, and I started to, get, I started to turn my aggression towards God. I started to say things like this, Lord, this job is beneath me. I said, Lord Jesus, this job is a complete waste of your resources. The arrogance. You see what I'm saying? Now, some of y'all, have y'all, have y'all struggled with these types of things before? Lord, 
this, this, this is an, if you would allocate your resources a little bit better, see, Lord, you're the one that called me. You're the one that called me to be a, a speaker. But now you've thrown me in the kitchen. God, you've abandoned me. And you see that picture up there? That's me with the pink thing on my head. And, and I know you can't see it very well, but those, that's just an example of, that's like one of 17 stacks of dishes that I had to wash. And this guy, I mean, his arms are like this big, and he's bringing these dishes in, and if you could zoom in, if you could zoom in on my face, you'd see the anguish on my face. I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, get me out of here. I don't belong here. And I started saying these things, God, are you punishing me? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? I was in a lot of pain, and I was frustrated. Then one of my friends came up to me, and he gave me a book. The title of that book was called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And in this book I'm reading, and, and I'm, I'm just kind of reading through the night. I'm exhausted from, from working in this kitchen. And I'm reading how this man that loves Jesus, that serves God, had the job to work in a monastery for orphans, and his job was to wash the dishes for the orphans. And Brother Lawrence is picking up these dishes, and he has this attitude of prayer where he says, Lord Jesus, would you bless the child that's fixing to eat, eat the, the food off this plate, and then he would put it down. Then he would get the next dish, Lord Jesus, would you bless the child that eats off this plate. And then as an attitude of gratitude and joy, he would wash and clean every one of these dishes. As I'm reading this book, I'm getting angrier and angrier. I took the book and I threw it across the room. I said, no, no, it's not possible. And you know what I did, guys? I went to the kitchen the next day. I started, I picked up the dish and that book that I read started ringing in my mind and I'm grumbling and I've got a scrunched face. And I'm going, Jesus, bless this kid. And I threw the plate. Picked up the next one. Lord Jesus, bless this kid too. Threw the plate down. Next plate. Holy Spirit, bless the, the, the young person that's going to eat off this plate. And then put it back. And then I, Lord Jesus, th this child that's eating off this plate might have abusive parents. Could you touch them? Could you help them? And I put the plate down. I picked up the next one. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. This, this child needs you, Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden, tears start streaming down my face. And you know what I realized? God, I'm a Saul. I'm a King Saul. You see, I thought I was a David. I was no near near being a David. I was a King Saul. And as I washed these dishes and the Holy Spirit started convicting me of my sin. And he started dealing with my heart. I started crying out. I ran into the bathroom because I was the only place you could get alone. <laughs> and I fell on the floor and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, what's happening to me? And, and, and I, remember, I remember having this revelation. I, like, I must be praying for these kids. I have to be. And, and I remember crying out to God, and the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly in that bathroom, in that campground in Trinity, Texas. And you know what he said to me? He said, Daniel, you thought I left you. You thought I'm absent. But, but and, and you asked me to make you a good preacher, to make you a speaker, to make you a, my spokesman. 
I haven't left you, Daniel. You're just rejecting my training program. You see, great preachers of the gospel, great men and women servants of God, do not come off the assembly lines of Bible schools and programs. They come out of the school of prayer, the school of suffering. And I said, Lord, would you forgive me of my sin, my arrogance? Would you forgive me, Lord Jesus? And I started to say to myself, I belong in this kitchen. I belong washing these dishes. You know why? Because if someone else is in here, they might not know to pray. And because I know now I must pray, I belong here. Do you see? Do you see? And then the third week went by, and I lined up for my job to figure out what I was going to do for the next week. You know what I did? I said, could you put me in the kitchen one more time? Because I started to have too much fun. I started to have so much fun. And I'd like splash people with water, and it was funny. And, and I started washing dishes. I started smiling because these students would go by, these young children. And I would pray for them. I would pray that God would bless them and change their lives. Guys, I want to tell you something this morning. My circumstances did not change. Nothing in my circumstances changed. I begged God to change the circumstances, the struggle that I was in, but nothing changed. And the only thing that changed was my mind. I just decided to see my situation different. You know, and many times in our culture today, so many people are so quick to try to be a victim. We want to be a victim because you kind of get treated good. You know what I'm saying? You get treated a little bit better especially when you're mistreated. And so there's this yearning to be a victim. But, you know, King David never once is saying, why me, oh God? He's, he's seek, seeking, searching after the Lord, the Lord his God, and he is refusing to vindicate himself. Guys, what situations are you in this morning? What are you struggling with? What, what type of circumstances are unfavorable to you? I'm here to tell you that just a change in your heart and a change in your mind, you can take a situation that is very, very terrible, and it just by seeing it differently, it can become the greatest blessing because God's put you in a training program. Don't miss this, guys. He's put you in a training program because he wants to fashion you into saints. Friends, we were designed to walk with God as victorious. And when we walk around like victims, like all of these things are happening, we put on this hat like we're King Saul and we expect things to be done for us, but, but the heart of Jesus is a heart that is broken. In Luke chapter 22, we read these words from Jesus. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you, Jesus says. I among you am the one who serves. Jesus, the master of the universe, the true one with authority, you know what he does? He doesn't stand up and say, I deserve this crown. Caesar, step aside. He says, I am one who is among you who serves. And then Jesus kneels down and does something that's the most insulting thing you could possibly see the king of kings do. He kneels down and he washes his disciples' feet. Now, we can either be embarrassed 
that the king of kings is doing such an awful, gross thing, or we can change our mind and say, actually, that's what true leadership looks like. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? This is true spiritual authority. His disciples constantly are bickering back and forth over and over. Who's going to get the window office in the kingdom of God? Who's going to have the nice, fancy red oak desk with that beautiful stain? Who's going to get, is it me? Is it, is it me, Jesus? Is it John? Is it Peter? Who's going to get the office? And Jesus like, guys, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. You see, the first is going to be last. And the last, they're going to be first. And we call this that Jesus has this upside-down wisdom, the wisdom of the world. We think we're so smart, Jesus turns it upside down and says, no, my way, this way. This is, how you, this is how you become a great leader. Who being the very nature of God, that fascinating verse in Philippians chapter 2, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient to death on the cross. Guys, what I'm telling you this morning is very, very simple. Greatness in the kingdom is determined by the measure of your surrender. Greatness in the kingdom is determined by the measure of your surrender. When I was in that kitchen, I believed I was supposed to be great, but I was completely missing what God was trying to teach me because he was, treat, he was teaching me that greatness is being willing to bow, being willing to serve, and to surrender to the Lord God. Let me ask you this morning a hard question. Are you a David? Or are you a Saul? How do you treat the people in your life, particularly the people that you have authority over? Do you treat them with gentleness and respect, or do you hurl spears at them because they just make you angry all the time? Friends, I don't know about you. I want to be a David. I want to be like David, a man after God's own heart, who doesn't assume that I should be the boss. Now, this church is going through a wonderful transition. You're, Lord willing, we're, I'm going to be praying with you that, that the right pastor comes and, and, and that there's a wonderful time, like a, there's a vote, however you guys are going to do it. I'm going to be praying with you, church, that the right person, the Lord anoints to lead this church. Amen? And it's going to be beautiful. Now, I have a question for you. In your, in your ability to serve underneath his leadership, is it, are you going to be a David or are you going to be a Saul? Are we going to serve the leadership that God puts in front of us or are we going to, are we going to hurl spears back at them? Now, let me go a little bit step further. If, and heaven forbid, what if your future pastor accidentally hurls a spear at you or intentionally hurls a spear at you? You know people aren't perfect, right? You know that, right? Let me ask you, heaven forbid, one day, what if that happens? What are you going to do? Are you going to pick up that spear and throw it back to him? Or are you going to learn how to dodge like King David and say, Lord Jesus, you're the one who's in charge. You're the one who's in charge, Lord. And you know, the Bible says, Love covers a multitude of what? Of sins. And this is, 
this is a family thing here, right? You guys know this. This is a family thing. And whatever leadership the Lord anoints and puts over this church, guys, you understand, we can have that attitude of David. We can be excited and we can be content and excited about the job of washing dishes. We can say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this job. Thank you that I get to wash these dishes. You know what? Because if someone else is here, they might not know to pray. But Lord, thank you for putting me here. Thank you for letting me vacuum these floors. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me clean the toilets because I get to pray and do battle in the spirit world in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to return as I close. Friends, who are you this morning? Are you a David or are you a Saul? Are you a David or are you a Saul? Guys, I realized, and it was a very, very difficult lesson to learn. I realized, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a Saul. I'm a Saul. I assumed I deserved certain authority, and I assumed that God had left me, but all the whole time the Lord was trying to answer my prayer. He was trying to train me into the school of humility and in the school of prayer. And boy, when I learned that, oh, man, everything changed. I was never the same. I was never the same. I learned to always choose the lowest position possible and only God promote you. Whenever I sat down with my campus pastor, he had to ask me 15 times, do you want to be a campus pastor? And I felt nervous about it because I didn't want to assume authority. I was like, I don't know, you tell me. And we would go back and forth, back and forth. Daniel, is God asking you to be a campus pastor in Chi Alpha and, and go down and be a missionary? I'm like, uh, I, I think so, but, but he had to kind of tie me down and, and say, answer the question. You know what we do sometimes is we hear the voice of God, but we want to be kind of told. You know you're hearing the voice of God, but I wanted him to tell me what to do so that I would have certain deniability rights in case it went very, very wrong. <laughs> right? Now hear me this morning, church. Not only do we have to obey the Holy Spirit when he speaks to us. Listen very carefully. Not only do we say, yes, Lord, I'll do it, but you also need, he wants to bring us into the next step, which is, Lord, I'm going to obey you, and also I agree with your decision to put me here. Because we can obey and say, yeah, fine, sure, I'll do it. But you know what, Lord, if I were God, I would allocate my resources way better. God is looking for people they're going to be fully surrendered. Fully surrendered to his will. Friends, refuse to promote yourself. Absolutely refuse to promote yourself. Allow God to do that. Refuse to throw spears back to people that hurl them at you. And most of all, guys, refuse absolutely refuse. And you should do this. We need to do this in our prayer life, in our personal devotional time. Absolutely refuse to be ungrateful about your circumstances. Refuse. Refuse to be ungrateful. Because the first step back towards God is always gratitude. Maybe God has figuratively speaking put you in a kitchen. Or he's given you a certain role or a certain job in your life. You don't like it. It's not fun. Maybe he's trying to train something to teach you how to just say, Lord, I'm going to be grateful for what I have in this moment. 
Can we stand this morning? If God's speaking to your heart, I just want to have a moment where we can respond to the Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you could be really honest with you this morning, friends, you say, Brother Daniel, I've, I'm realizing I thought I was a David, but I'm a Saul. I live and act and think just like King Saul. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd just be willing to be honest with me this morning. I've been honest with a story of mine and how I was absolutely humiliated at my behavior. (laughs) It was terrible. I was awful. But the graciousness of the Holy Spirit communicated how I needed to change. If that's you this morning and you say, Daniel, I need prayer. I've realized that I'm a Saul and I need prayer. Would you lift your hand this morning? I need prayer. I need prayer. I see your hands. If that's you, you say, Daniel, I'm, I've just got, I've got attributes of Saul in me, and I need them gone. I need those attributes gone. If that's you, just lift your hands. I'll see you, and I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we call upon your name, Lord. Jesus, Right out of the gate, we want to say, Lord, would you forgive me for ever being ungrateful for anything? Because, Lord, you are always with us. You are always near us. And Jesus, because that is true, that you gave us that promise in John 15, That if we remain in you, Lord God, you will remain in us. That is a guaranteed promise. If that is true and we believe it is absolutely true, Jesus, there is no reasons for us to be ungrateful ever. Because you're with us, God. You're with us, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you've seen the hands raised. You've seen the hearts all around this room. Would you begin to minister, Lord Jesus? Would you begin to speak? God, we want to be a, a, king, a, a person like the King David who has a heart after you. Holy Spirit, would you give us the heart of Jesus who kneels down to his disciples and he speaks truth in love to them and says, if you do not allow me to do this, you have no part in me. Oh God, would you humble us this morning? Humble us, Holy Spirit. Humble us, Jesus, to allow you to promote us, Father, because greatness in the kingdom is determined by the measure of our surrender. Would you show us, oh God, would you show us, Lord Jesus, how to surrender, how to bow to the Lordship of Jesus.